Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm your host, Brian Ferguson. My guest today has been a part of pro wrestling for many years. He has refereed, promoted, and worked with many of the icons of wrestling, including JBL, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and many others. He's also co-authored the book titled The Third Man, My Life and Times Inside the Ring and Out. My guest today, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Mr. James Beard. James, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, good to be with you, Brian. So you're in Texas. How's the weather yeah. down there? Because up here, it's where I'm at in Missouri, it's pretty pretty nippy. It uh, it got kind of nippy here actually <laughs> a couple of days ago. Yeah, we've you know we've we've had a hot summer and, and yeah. this is kind of welcome to me. I like cool weather and and this is this is nice for me. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, good. That's great. I'm glad glad to hear that. So all right, a little bit about your background. So if we could, if you wouldn't mind, let's get into growing up. Where did you grow up at? Kind of how you were raised and uh, some of the schooling you you've done. Well, I, I, I was raised about 90 miles from Dallas, a town called Tyler. Um, okay. My family is from that area. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I grew up basically like any other kid in tech, East Texas. And, and uh, you know, I, I, was a, I watched wrestling on old black and white TV. You know, I'm an old guy. I, I remember <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we had a good signal. Sometimes we didn't. You know, we had an antenna in it. And sometimes those Dallas stations didn't come in so well. But. Uh, you know, when, when wrestling came on, my folks watched it and I watched it and I became a fan. And, you know, I, I grew up, grew up in this area, went to, went to school here. And then, then I, I ended up going to college on a basketball scholarship and, and okay. tore my knee up and I came wow. back to Tyler to TJ, graduated at TJC and, and, uh, got a little bit more involved in music there. And, okay. and, um, and then went to North Texas and, and that's where I finished up and, uh, Started playing in bands, you know, in, in, in college, and that's what I was doing when I got involved in wrestling. So it, it um, I, I got to know a few of the guys in the business. I was playing around the Dallas area, and and uh, gradually they kind of figured out I might have a clue. And, and the next thing I know, I'm kind of dabbling in it a little bit and became a little bit more in demand. And yeah, and there we go, you know, one yeah, of those so accidental you, careers. Yeah, uh, you said you played in the in a band. What instrument did you play? I play keyboards and sang. I was I was a lead singer most of the time. So, oh, okay. And, yeah, yeah. So I I did that for a long time. We we opened for everybody you can think of. Oh wow. Um, now I was country most of the country artists for the most part. Yeah. Well, I'm glad your parents were fans because mine were not. They uh, yeah. they they uh, were not, and I'd have to go to my grandma's house quite a bit to 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 watch it. So uh, that's good you got into that. So. You know, after you got noticed and and how did like getting into wrestling? What was your? Uh, did you start out as a referee, or did you did you get trained in wrestling, or, yeah. or let's talk about that a little bit about <laughs> how you were trained? No, and, no, no. In those 
Yeah, in those days, the only your training was you kind of got thrown in the water and told us to swim, you know, that kind of thing. Bruce Rabote was a big part of that. He kind of he kind of egged me on a little bit, and I started working around the edges a little bit in, in the Dallas area. And and the next thing I knew, I was working at the Sportatorium, and then the next thing I knew, I was working in Japan, and and, and it just kind of built from there. But uh, no, I, I I didn't get trained at all. It was it was kind of a feel thing for me, and it was it all felt natural. I, the first time I got in the ring, I felt comfortable. And wow. maybe that was partly because of being in music, you know, and being up front for that. But um, I, I just uh, I just kind of picked it up by by listening more than anything else. You know, I, yeah. I, I, uh, I think I learned more. I tell people this all the time. I learned more listening you know, than I did actually working in the ring. And, and yeah. fortunately, I was around a lot of guys that were willing to talk and teach. And, and you know, guys like Skandar Akbar and Johnny Valentine and Red Bastine and, and Gary Hart. I mean, I, I had a lot of good teachers and, and, um, and just learning that way was, was the way I, I, I shut up and listened. That's basically it. Yeah. You're like a sponge, right? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to know, I mean, I, I, I had a clue. I mean, from the time I was younger, I kind of, I started looking at wrestling kind of in a different way than just, I guess a fan would typically look at it. I started trying to figure out, you know, what, why is this happening? How is this happening? And of course, I didn't didn't know all the tricks until I got into the business. But uh, right. um, and, and even then, it took a while to figure some things out. But but uh, I had a clue and and uh, kind of understood the psychology and that kind of thing. And and uh, and that, that made it easier for me. And plus, I, I wasn't just a kid when I got into it. I was a little bit older than some of the guys that jump into it, you know. And yeah. So I was a little, I was mature enough to know that I needed to, to, to absorb as much as I could absorb and, and without trying to tell everybody how smart I was. And, and, you know, that, 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 and, and, you know, and I'll say that because I I see that a lot these days. A lot of the younger guys come in thinking that they already have it all figured out and and they just don't. And, and, uh, I, uh, I was willing to listen and, and that helped me a lot. And, and it also helped me in, in getting over with the guys and becoming, mm-hmm. you know, part of the, part of the boys, I guess you would say. And, yeah. and, and that's a big part of it. Once you get yeah. to that point, then, then it makes it a lot easier for you. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, if you get in a little bit older, you're a little more <laughs> mature and you can, you understand when to be, when to talk and when not to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we were at the Cauliflower Alley Club a few weeks back, and uh, that's where I met you. And and uh, you did the uh, the intro for the JBL, right? And right. Uh, yeah, I heard that your kind of your story and your background as well as with JBL and, and and his story how he got started. So I would love the for our fans here today to kind of, if you could please. Uh, Kind of tell us the story about how how he got into it. I mean, you you were a big big part of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was the the day I met John. Uh, we, I was sitting in the booking booking room at the Sportatorium with Skandar Akbar, and and uh, we had a hole in our our main event that night for TV. I mean, this TV show that we we're putting together, and and uh, uh, our champion was going to 
face, and I, I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but for whatever reason, they weren't going to be able to make it. They were flying in from somewhere, and something happened, and and we were sitting there trying to readjust the TV, which is not uncommon. That that happened every week. You know, you always yeah. have something you change. But uh, while we were sitting there, the knock on the door in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, I went and answered the door, and there was John. And he said, uh, you know, I'm Don Layfield. I'm looking for a job. And uh, he had been kind of kicked out of the nest. He'd been training with uh, Brad Rangans up in Minnesota. Okay. And we, we sat there and talked to him for a little while. And, of course, you see his size and his look and everything. And and you could tell he had a clue. Yeah. And, and, and he'd been trained by Brad. So we, we felt pretty comfortable with that and just talking to him. And, so, you know, you get to a point where you can kind of tell with guys. When when you when you've been around for a while, you can kind of tell without ever seeing them in the ring if if they may have some potential or some some something there that you could do something with. And yeah. and, I, and I talked to him for a while and said, I tell you what, we'll just throw him into this into this match with with our champion, which was Rod Price at the time. And, um, if, you know, if he does well, then I'll let the thing go through and we've got a big guy that we can work with. Yeah. And if, if he, you know, if he's, if he's not so good, then I'll just tell Rod to pin him, you know, and, and it'll be over with. But uh, we went through that night and it worked out well. And, and from that moment on, John and I were like best friends. I mean, we, yeah. we had a lot of things in common growing up. Our families were very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of the same uh, feelings about a lot of things. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's just one of those things you just fit together. Yeah. And, and that's happened, you know, I've been real fortunate. I've got a lot of great friends in wrestling, but there's, yeah. there's a handful that you just have something special with. And yeah. I was one of those guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we I trained with him, helped him, you know, work out and, and kind of polish off some things. And, and uh, he just got better and better and better. He was one of those guys that wanted to learn and, and listened and, and watched and, and paid attention. Uh, the, the really good ones do that. Yeah. And, and you, you knew that he was going to, he was going to, he was going to make it in this business. Yeah. And, uh, and I did everything I could to help him. And, and when he got to that point, he had the opportunity, he, he, he took off and, and, and did it, you know, yeah. um, it just says a lot for him. Yeah. I was going to ask you, that was my next question about his, when you looked at him and you saw his in ring and potential, did you think he would make the big time? And you already answered that. Yes. And yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, I, I, I knew, I knew he was going to do well. You never know what, yeah. what well means sometimes, you know, right. you don't, you don't know if he's going to be a world champion in a, in the largest wrestling company in the world, but, mm-hmm. but you know, he's going to be successful somehow. And, yeah. and I, I just felt that. And, and he, he absolutely did that. And, he, and it, you know, it did happen overnight for him. It, right. It, it took some, incarnations i guess to get to that point to, and, and the right opportunity yeah to get to that point to uh to where he, he had that chance to really show himself and he yeah. did that yeah i was gonna say jbl is probably one of the last uh wrestlers uh from that era that really played his role well as what i mean is in ring his persona as the the wrestling God and, 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 uh, and all that. He, I mean, he really, he was one of the last ones that really, really fired me up and I'd actually get off my, get off my butt and stand up and and yell at the TV, you know? And and I, I tell guys this a lot when I'm working with them and training and, and that, and seminars and things, but the great heels weren't afraid to get heat. 
And yeah. John's one of the one of the few guys and one of the last on the major TV show that, that's mm-hmm. willing to do that. Yeah. You know, and 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 he he bought into it and he and he did it well and and uh, uh, you know that that's that's something you have to do if you're going to be successful. You you can't uh, a great heel who really gets heat can't want to kiss all the babies. You know, he's got to be he's got to be that heel. Yeah. And, and John yeah. was willing to do that, and and yeah. that made a difference for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean he was he was on uh was it SmackDown or Sweet, one of them. And yeah, uh, you know, he still he still got it. All you gotta do is talk and you know, they get mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> oh it. yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. when I met him in person at I mean totally, you know, nicest guy you'll probably ever meet. Talked oh, to yeah. me for a few minutes, uh when he signed my uh my uh, action figure I had of him and uh yeah, when I when I heard too, he was giving all his proceeds to the Cauliflower Alley Club. That that really touched my heart because, and I'm not saying everybody, but there's some guys that they just take the money and thank you and go. But uh, I could tell uh, uh, he was raised right, and, and it must be a Texas thing, right? Well, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some good folks down there, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, he he's always been like that. I yeah. mean, even when he didn't have fifty dollars in his pocket, he was always generous. Yeah. And 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 uh, you know, nothing like the the image a lot of people think of when yeah. when they think of J- John or JVL. He's and he's done a lot of good for for underprivileged kids out in different places, not just here, but in yeah. other areas. And and I'm really proud of him for those things. He yeah. and and he's been fortunate. I mean, he's Mark, money-wise, done very, very well uh, in financial situations, and and you know he's a guy that's willing to to give back, and, yeah. and that that means a lot to me too because I, I that just proves that I was right about him all along, you know. Yeah, yeah, you had a good you have a good eye for talent, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay, let's. You were a referee for a number of years. Yeah. Can you tell us about your first? match refereeing <laughs> i had not re- i don't even know if i can remember exactly who was in the first match i mean <laughs> i worked around the fringes a little bit you know and, and, yeah. and then, but one of the first the first night that i was in the business uh uh you know i ended up chasing uh brody and abdullah around the ring a few times and yeah you know i i, I you know I, I worked with so i've just been i mean you're talking about almost 40 years ago yeah and I uh, worked thousands of matches, and and uh, it, it's kind of hard to remember all of them. I've yeah. never been real good at record keeping or or keeping uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, memorabilia and those kind of things, which I regret. I know guys that that absolutely know every match they've ever been in, and and yeah. the results and the times and the place, and and they've got pictures of everything, and I and I just didn't do that. I wish I had. Yeah. Now I I understand. I mean, like. Chris Jericho, he, I, he has a book out now that has all of his matches. He recorded everything, yeah. so it's something like that. So, yeah, okay. So let's talk a little bit about your, your – you've been to a lot of different places, uh, yeah. some of your travel experiences. So is there a travel experience, you're riding with somebody or, or traveling with somebody or a group of guys that just sticks out in your mind that you could tell a story about a little bit for us? Oh my goodness! I mean, there's so many because I, you know, my first, I guess, working at the Sportatorium was great, but my mm-hmm. first really big break came going to Japan, and okay. that that kind of kind of made my uh, 
career for me for the most part, because uh, I went over there thinking I was just going to go for that one shot. You know, actually it's two shots, two, two different nights. But uh, as it turned out, they offered me a position there. And, I, and, and as far as I know, I'm the only American or, or Gaiji uh, <laughs> referee that's ever actually worked for a Japanese company. Oh, OK. Uh, cool. as, as part of actually part of the, the crew. I mean, I know there's other referees that's gone over there and done shows and, right. tr- and tours and that kind of thing. But as far as being hired by a company. As a regular member, as far as I know, I'm the only one, and I've done that for a couple of different ones. So, yeah, um, uh, it, it that was a great that was a great opportunity. I did a lot of travel with those guys, of course, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of great experiences with those. And mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, probably the most fun I ever had on a foreign foreign uh, uh, tour was working in Germany, and John was involved in that. Okay, um, I went over there for Ottawa's. Okay. And uh, I, I went over, the idea for it was, is I go over as an NWA official, which at the time I was working with the NWA mm-hmm. and, um, and Crockett. And, and uh, um, I went over there and actually did kind of a heel thing. And, mm-hmm. for, and, and, and it, it was so much fun. I know I finally figured out why these guys enjoy doing that. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't cheat. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything illegal, but I sure got a lot of heat. And, and it was fun. And, and uh, I, I just, you know, that, that, that experience may have been my most enjoyable of, of all these years. You know, I, I, I came out of the, came out of the stands complaining about, um, about them treating the foreigners poorly and, and really, really got on to the German people about it. And, and I couldn't, I didn't know if they were understanding me or not, you know, but, and uh, all of a sudden they hear this big booming voice as Otto Wines, he, he comes, he says, who are you? And I'm like, so I started in on him and, and, and uh, he, he took my passport in front of about 7,000 people. And I'm like, oh God, you know, and, and we built that thing up over a week, week or so's time, and into yeah. a, a final match that yeah. with John against the champion. And and even though I didn't cheat, John ended up winning it. And it, it, was, it was I was getting all kinds of heat. They were hate. They hated me, and I loved it. It was fun. <laughs> you were you were Nick Patrick before Nick Patrick, right? From the well, yeah. Except uh, except Nick actually really cheated. I yeah, 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 yeah. But you were kind of one of the first ones that that <laughs> yeah. got the heat. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. Nick, 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 Nick's great referee. He did that yeah. was good, you know. It, oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was fun. Yeah. I understand, like I said, I understand why guys enjoy working on that side of things, you know. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's that's an interesting story. See, I'm, I'm learning stuff, so that's that's great. So, <laughs> you work for a different a bunch of different promotions. You talk about Japan a little bit and uh, yeah. and world class. What was one of your favorite promotions to work for that you just really enjoyed and that, you, and I know you've had a lot of them uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. I mean, if there isn't one in particular, that's okay, but there's always a, usually somewhere where you've worked where you're, you know, you just really enjoyed it. You got well, along with all the boys and all that. And... Yeah. I mean, I, of course, working at home and in, in, in the mm-hmm. sport was a big deal, and mm-hmm. whether it's world class or USWA or, or global, 
Uh, I, I'm, you know, a lot of people don't know that much about global. I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird story, the way yeah. it started and the way it ended up and how it morphed into something different. And, and uh, I, it doesn't get a lot of the, the credit that it, that it should get, I think, because of all the, the guys that came through there and started and got some experience and, and went on. And, and, and it's amazing how many times I've been told by people that, you know, I, hey, I, I remember watching you after I got out of school on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was a big deal, yeah. and and, uh, and and that was a lot of fun. Although all that time I was working in Japan, so I was I'd, sometimes I'd be gone six or eight weeks and come back, and 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 I didn't get to do all of global, but I, I did enough of it to, and, and they gave me enough, I guess, stroke is what I'm trying to to, to do, kind of what I wanted to, and mm-hmm. it was fun. I enjoyed yeah. doing that, uh, but the Japanese thing is number one for me yeah i mean because of the the atmosphere the 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 way the fans and the media treated the the sport yeah uh hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The, the opportunity to work with so many guys that were so well trained and so mm-hmm. and, and, and a mixture of Japanese guys and and foreign guys. The one one company I worked with over there, uh, SWS, had actually had an agreement with with WWF at the time. Okay. That was early nineties. And um, uh, we you know, we get WWF stars over there on every tour. So I got to work with all the big guys, big names of the business over there. But I yeah. was actually working for the Japanese company, and and it was it was a lot of fun. And and yeah. and, and you know, and and it, it kind of gave me a little, uh, I guess, an opportunity to to know a lot a lot wider uh, variety of, of guys from different different areas of the country because they came from everywhere working for WWF. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and it, it, uh, that, that experience in Japan really kind of, like I said, it made kind of made my career really because it gave yeah. me some validity here in the States. It was a big deal back then. Yeah. Working in Japan was like, a, I mean, you had to be really good to go over there. And, yeah. uh, it, I, you know, I got, I got lucky when, when, uh, Kendall Nagasaki, uh, uh Kazu Sakurata is actually his real name, but he was he was a very good friend, and he asked me to go over the first time. And and like I said, I, I was I was planning on just a yeah. one experience type situation, and yeah. and the next thing I know, uh, I'm over there every every month, and and um, and that lasted for several years. Wow, I I gotta ask you about Japan because I every person that I've had on here that talks about Japan absolutely enjoyed their time over there uh, as far as their their wrestling, the the culture. Do you think Japanese uh, style or, you know, their promotions over there are a little bit underappreciated here because I've watched some like um, uh, Access TV and and when they have them on there, IWGP, uh, but they don't really get the exposure that, you know, like WWE, AEW, Impact out of Canada. Uh, do you think it's a little underappreciated here? 
Well, I, maybe uh, I, it's a different different world in Japan too, just like it is here now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they they call New Japan strong style, but it's not the same strong style it was when I when I was working over there. Okay. Uh, it, it, strong style in, in, in those days was more of kind of a semi shoot. I yeah. mean, it, it was it was uh, it was very tight, very. I mean, it had a lot of athleticism involved, but yeah, they've kind of taken some of the. I mean, I know there's guys that still do that, but but mm-hmm. a lot of the featured guys are are doing more of the athleticism things and not not so much the the strong part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and then then there's there's the fact that that none of the major companies over there that I know of now bring the top stars from here over there to compete on a regular basis. And, and, and that's, you know, Baba, Baba always had a crew of American guys over there. You know, yeah. you're, you're talking about, um, uh, you know, of course, Bruiser and, and, yeah. and Han- Hanson and, and the, the Funks. And I mean, I could go on and on yeah. and on. I mean, that, the, but, but they had kind of an American style, kind of a texas style really over yeah. there because of the, the fucks influenced that a lot yeah but it but they had that style over there and 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 it was such a such a uh i guess a big honor just to get to go over there yeah you had to be really good yeah and and if you weren't you get ate up yeah and 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 <laughs> and, and, and then back then the, the prestige of that was such a big deal yeah and, and and that's changed somewhat. I mean, New Japan still has a lot of prestige, but yeah, but some of the some of the smaller companies and some of the other companies don't get the the press that that uh, that they those two big companies got back in those days. I was gonna say, you know, back in uh, probably fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, uh, they had some guys over there that are were big big here. They had uh, Jericho, Kenny Omega. AJ Styles, uh, the uh, the Good Brothers. Uh, I mean, they had a group of guys. You know, the, the original Bullet Club came out of there. Uh, and you know, the last few years, yeah. it's kind of you know, it's more. Do you think it's because the cost of bringing those guys over there? Because big names now aren't. Yeah. You know, it, it 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 doesn't. It's not cheap. And uh, do you think it's just a, a financial things that, why they can't get them over there yeah that yeah i mean that that's part of it i'm sure uh you know the, the covid situation kind of hurt yeah. that too you know yeah. when we had that uh I, you know when when i was going over there regularly the one the reason it kind of curtailed for me at, at during the, the mid to late 90s is, is that um the economy got bad over there and, yeah. and you know it, it kind of that they, they didn't have the money i guess to, to spend on on and and the and plus people weren't coming out like they were before because of mm-hmm. because of the economy and the financial situation. So the, right. all those things affect wrestling too. And and I'm sure that's part of part of why that situation changed in in the mm-hmm. mid two thousand two thousand teens, whatever. But yeah. And, and you know, and, and some of those guys got big opportunities over here, you know, like mm-hmm. AJ and 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 uh kind of hard kind of hard to turn that down to come back home and make yeah. even more money. And, yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes too it kind of when you go over there. I mean, I've seen that uh, where it kind of revitalizes your career. Uh, yeah. Like with with AJ, AJ Styles, Jericho, the Good Brothers, those guys. I mean, they were stars, but they were kind of on a downward slope. They go over to Japan for a year or two, kind of get revamped, and and then they come back, 
And, you know, they're, they're better. I think they're better. I think something about Japan, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's their, because they get a break. They're not under as much pressure. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what the. that That's part of it. Part of it is, 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 uh, is the uh, demand on, on, on quality, you know, mm-hmm. of, of wrestling there and, and learning and learning a different style and, and, yeah. and, Creating it, but but th- see that's that's what's missing in today's wrestling anyway. Yep. Is, is the territories provided that naturally, because if you go back yes. and look at the territories, all the territories had different styles. Yep. And and you take these guys out of out of Texas and send them to uh, North Carolina or send them to the north northwest of Don Owens place or or you know wherever it doesn't matter. Yep. There's going to be a little difference in the style. You go to yep. Detroit, there's a different style. Yep. Um, and and all those guys became so rounded and so so well versed in how to work with all these different different uh, talents. Yeah. And it, it just made them better. Yeah. And and plus you had a way to get away from it. If you're really in a territory, you go up and then you kind of stall out a little bit. You go somewhere else and mm-hmm. and and you're away from there. And you can come back a few couple of years later and you get hot again. Yeah. It, and and that's part of it too. I mean, the, not being overexposed in one place, and and uh, and that's what happens a lot of times today. I think a lot of these wrestlers become so exposed in in, in these one or two companies that we have that, that have the big TVs, and, and and after a while, people just kind of go ho oh, hum, you know, and they're not not a big deal. But whereas if they had another place to go and stay away for a while, and come back and mm-hmm. and you know, kind of re recharge themselves a little bit it, it it changes everything for you so there's a lot of a lot of things involved in yeah the guys going to japan and 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 becoming better there and then coming back and and they've got it they've got things that they're bringing with them too yeah so it's mm. a lot of factors involved in that the territories you bring it up i'm glad you did because i was going to bring it up um you were part of that era i grew up in that era uh, I believe at one time, uh, jumping Jim Brunzel told me there was 26 territories around yeah. this, around the country that you, right. could, that you could go to if you were getting stale in one area. You could go to another area. They kind of did a little handshake deal with one promoter to another, right? And they could go there. Do you think um, it's kind of a lost art now to? You know, you have WWE and you have AEW. Those are the ones they go back and forth from now mainly. And it's pretty much the same character. They have to change their name or whatever because of copyright and trademark and right, all that. Right. But back then you didn't have to change your name. You could be no. Ray Stevens and go to uh, from AWA to Mid-Atlantic and you could be Ray the Crippler Stevens. You could. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you, could, build, you yeah. could build credibility here and you can maintain that credibility. And right. Yeah. Right. Do you think that's a lost art? Well, it's, it's it, that's I don't know that it's a lost art, but I think it's a lost uh, factor yeah. in, in in the business today that, that changes everything. Um, guys don't become as rounded. If you if you go to there, I mean, if you go to one of those two companies, there's basically a similar style in, in everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few guys with, that are exceptions to that, but yeah, but for the most part, you you look at them and, and a, a lot of the matches look the same, a lot of the guys look the same, a lot of the guys work the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the gimmicks, the the uh, the images, the uh, the personas really don't factor into things because they you know they give them a gimmick or, or a persona and say, okay, you're a, a whatever, 
and yeah. and they're that when they when they walk out of the curtain. But then when they get in the ring, they all work like, yeah. And and it doesn't carry through to the to the work. Right. So they don't really learn that that there's a difference and, and there's a way to present something and be that when you get in the ring, not just just walking through the curtain. And yeah. that's a part of it, too. So, I mean, it, it, it's there's just not a way to get as well rounded. The, the Indies are really better for that than any. And, and a yeah. lot of guys don't know how to take advantage of that. I was going to say, you know, the Indies to me, I mean, I live in Missouri, southwest Missouri, and they have a company here, right, well, a couple hours from here called Mid-States Wrestling. There's New Breed Wrestling. I go to those, one, because I think they're more, they're up and comers. They're really trying. They're trying to round their, you know, master their craft. They don't take. 20 minutes to do an interview and then they have a five minute match. It's it's more of, they come out of the, the curtain. They might say a word or two, they get in there and kick butt or whatever. And then they get back out. To me, it's just kind of a, you know, you, you said a little bit better, some of the factors, but you, you know, you pay a lot less too. Well, the, the, yeah, that's true too. But the, yeah. the, 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 a lot of those better indies, now there's some bad indies out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's some, horrific that are just run by people that ought to be buying tickets for sure. <laughs> yeah. The, but, but some of, some of the better ones uh, are ran by people who at least uh, understand and appreciate the, the basic traditions of this business. Yeah. And, and those guys, those guys expect their guys mm-hmm. to exhibit that in their matches and in the way they, they present their shows. And yeah. And those are, those are the places you need to look for if you're an indie guy. Yeah. And try to go to those places and you can you can get some variety of styles, mm-hmm. but but you're still getting that basic, uh, I, I guess, basic structure of how to how to present yourself and how to work in the ring. And, yeah. and at the same time, you can get a variety of, of different different styles there. And that's that's a good thing. Uh, oh, yeah. And the, the shame of it is, is once they get to that point and then a lot of times they get picked up by one of the big companies, then they want to turn them into something that they're not. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. that's a shame. Yeah, I got a great example that uh, I don't remember if you remember uh, in WWE, there was a guy named Simon Gotch. I remember uh, the name. I, okay, I he had a handlebar mustache, had the okay, kind of the yeah. old timer look. Yeah. When he was in World League Wrestling here in, in Missouri up at Troy there, he was uh, Ryan Drake, and he played this character to the T, had a beautiful or a wonderful uh, gimmick and knew how to wrestle. It's like when he got there, they just took the fizzle out of the guy and he only worked there for a couple of years. And he, he just said he couldn't take it anymore. The, the, yeah, the grind. And, that's, and yeah, it's just, yeah, that, that, that's, that's been the case and the story for a lot of guys that, that just done that. And, and, and it takes all their, their energy away from them and all of their, their, uh, I guess their persona, you know, if they, yeah. if they really feel that and they're really that, and, and then you get there and they go, oh, no, no, we want you to be, you know, you're going there, you're an Indian and they want you to be a cowboy, you know, and, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, and that's just, you know, I want yeah. to say that because it's one more option, but, yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. you know, it's, it, you, you just, you just get all of the heart taken out of yourself and, and that's a shame really. Yeah. I think, you know, they should give them a little more creativity, but you know, who am I? I'm just, right, a, but, but not, but not too much. Some, not too much. You got to, yeah. No, so, I, sometimes uh, that may be what, you know, I watch this stuff with AEW sometimes and they talk about, you know, we've got all this creative freedom and that kind of thing. Well, sometimes that's not a good thing. 
Yeah. Some of these guys just don't have the, the wherewithal to, to know how to use that freedom. And, yeah. and uh, it becomes almost like the inmates running the, the inside them. And, yes. And that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you got to have some kind of control. But at yeah. the same time, you know, it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. And, and the guys that really understand how to how to get the most out of somebody are the guys that should be running those things. And unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. I was going to talk about you that you were a booker. And that is a very, you know, I've talked to some other people that have done that job. And you have to be very creative and very have a very good mind of how to package somebody to to sell that and, and to uh, understand that and to put, I guess, basically butts in seats, right? And watch your watch your company. What was that process like for you as a booker? Uh, when your talent came in and they said, okay, I'm, I, what was your, what was your thought process and, and how you did that? Well, first of all, that's, that's the part of the business I enjoy the most. Okay. I enjoy the creative side of it. Uh, uh, I do enjoy being in the ring. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point now where I may, I may get in the ring once or twice, but I don't want to be in there six or seven matches anymore. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the creative side of it is what really drew me to it anyway, yeah. to begin with. And, and that's what I wanted to do. And fortunately, I got those opportunities started in Japan, actually. And okay. uh, uh, my, my philosophy has always been to have an open door. I mean, listen to everybody and, and, and not, discount any ideas not necessarily take them and sometimes you hear an idea and you go like mm, that might work but i don't have to tweak this and tweak that and, and and try to make it you know work and the whole the whole idea is to create a situation where you've got for the most part uh, yeah. uh personal personal issues i mean that that's an old uh yeah formula the uh, jerry jarrett you know it's his, it's his deal yeah he, you know he always said you know create personal issues and he's right uh yeah. if you do that in whatever area that you're doing it in, those things are going to be interesting to people because they can relate to it. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's that's the same as working a match. Uh, if, if fans can relate to it and understand it, they'll get into it. Yeah. And a lot of these matches I see today, they do a lot of things and people may pop for them and make a lot of racket, you know, or, or react to them. Yeah. But when the match is over with, they don't understand what happened. They don't know. They don't know the point of the match. You know, yeah. why did they do that? And that kind of thing and creating uh, an angle or a personal issue, you've got to have a reason for, for things. Mm. And then and, and people have to understand it and relate to it. And if they can relate to it, then they'll care. Yeah. If you make them care, then they've got an emotional investment in what you're doing. And that's the whole key to it. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, that, that piece right there, you just mentioned about the emotional connection, the personal uh, issues brought up that is such a missing piece in today's wrestling and i'll be honest i don't watch it nearly as much as i used to and that's part of it is because i don't have a a piece in it i don't have a you know yeah i understand what that guy's doing or that woman's doing why she's doing that or he's doing that let me, uh, let me give you a perfect example of that and, that, sure, and this is please. this is this is really a shame that it happened this way, but AEW is is a company that kind of built on the smart mark thing where they, they, they expect a certain kind of match and, and 
but they never really increased their their viewership or their mm-hmm. their fan base. It's always it got to this point and it's been basically the same. Yeah. When they had an issue in the back in the dressing room, <laughs> there was more interest in what they're doing than what ha- ever happened to them in the ring. Yeah. And it was because it was a personal issue. Now, the, I don't suggest anybody doing that. Right. Or doing it that way. <laughs> but, but it just kind of drives home the point that, that you know, people get interested in those things. Yeah. I mean, why are these guys, you know, upset with each other? Why did this happen? Yeah. You can, you can, if you can do that and create that in a, in a yeah. wrestling sense and in, 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 in a creative sense in the ring, then, then you've got something that people want to watch. Yeah. And, you know, it, that for me, that that's a perfect example of, of, of the difference between just doing things and yeah. actually having people care about what happened. You're exactly and, and right. You, you know, you go back and I, even myself, yeah. you know, I, I was kind of curious, like, why did this happen? You know, yeah. and, and I wanted to know about it, yeah. you know, and, and I hear guys talking about it, you know, I get to listen to Jimmy Cornette on, on his podcast and I'm going like, this is crazy, but it's interesting, you know, yeah. but, and, yeah. and, and that's the point. You yeah. got a personal issue going on and people want to hear about it. Yeah, they want to see it. They want to know how it ends. Unfortunately, this one's probably not going to end well. But, but in a wrestling context, you could do something that creates those same uh, emotions, and and you do have control over how it ends, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That you know, what's funny is I was a guest on a podcast last week, first time being a guest, and they brought that up that the the AEW issue, and. Uh, I told him, I'll be honest, I thought it was a work at first because it didn't seem like that could really, you know, happen. But it did it really happen. And there's a lot of heat over it right now. And, and you're right. That's treat, you know, pinged everybody's mind. What can what's what's going on here? Why are we why are we doing that? And they're not concentrating on the other stuff. So you're right. I, I really that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's interesting. So. So booking wise, um, you did Japan, world class. Is there anywhere else that you booked that, uh, you know, Mid Atlantic or wherever? I, I'm not sure. I know you did a lot. Yeah, I had, I had, well, uh, a lot of, I mean, some local places. You know, I mean, yeah. we had a, we had a deal going in Dallas uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, SWE. Okay. And we were, we were, we were cooking. Yeah. We were, do, we were doing some good. And uh, it was kind of the same old story that a lot of promotions that get started hot and things happen and, and some outside voices became involved. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, I, I was booking it to begin with. And, mm-hmm. and, and during the time we really got some attention and we mm-hmm. were getting a lot of attention. Uh, and then the next thing you know, you know, you got people coming in and, you know, this, that and the other. I'm not going to get into detail or personalities or anything. But, right. Right. No. Uh, but there were there were things that happened that that uh, uh, shouldn't have happened to people that got involved that shouldn't have been involved. Um, yeah. Voices that were being listened to that shouldn't have been listened to. And 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 that took all the, the uh, momentum away from us that should that 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 company should have it should have sustained. It should still be working. And, and uh, we were doing really well. I I don't think I'm the only one that feels this way either. Yeah. Uh, But, but I've, I've I've booked uh, a lot of, a lot of local promotions like that or hadn't, and and I had a lot of, a lot of input in in, uh, global during those years. And, and, um, 
you know, it, it's, it's been one thing. I, and I'll, I'll still try to do a little bit of that here and there. Yeah. Um, There's just not a lot of opportunities. That's the problem. And, yeah. and, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times when, when somebody does have a, a, a situation where they can start something up and may have some potential, they usually, they usually start out listening to the wrong voices. They don't, they don't go looking <laughs> for the guys that really, you know, they really yeah. can, they, they go looking for the stars and the stars. Now, what I've found out is a lot of the stars only know how to get themselves over. Yeah. They don't, they don't really understand the whole, the process of getting a whole, whole promotion over. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like a lot of coaches in football and baseball, some of the greatest coaches and, and managers and, and that, that sort of thing weren't the greatest players. They were the, they were the guys that sit and watch and listen and learn. Yes. And, uh, and they became, they became the ones that, that led the guys to the world series and to the super bowls and that kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, that unfortunately in wrestling, that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, you, like you said, there were one time 26 territories and I'm sure there's disagreements then, but for the most part, you know, you had a, a good quality programming, uh, you know, and you, all the heat, uh, you know, and I'm just, you were a big part of that. I know with world-class and, and Japan and I just, I can't say enough of how much that is missed today. You got all these writers uh, for WWE and AEW uh, that I don't know. They don't understand the business, I guess. And, and, uh, and I'm not knocking them. I mean, they're, they're, they're making money. They're doing something, but I mean, it just doesn't have the personal touch, like you said. So I well, and and there, there's a difference in just writing and and you know writing a, a some kind of format and 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 booking. Yeah. The difference in booking. Yeah, booking booking. You put the matches together and and book the guys you really want to book and mm-hmm. and and put them in the right places and like I said, create as much as many uh, personal issues as you can that, that yeah. people can relate to and that kind of yeah. thing. And, and that's not really the point these days in a lot no. of cases. And that's, it's a shame that, you know, I, I, I sit and watch some of this stuff and I think I sure would like to have some input here and here and there, but yeah. I, I'm not the only one that feels that way. You no, know? you're not. <laughs> I, I think I could, I can think I could fix that, but you know, you gotta have, you gotta have the, the, uh, uh the powers that be behind you and, and allow you to do that in order to fix it. And I, that usually doesn't happen. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping some, you know, I, I kind of see a little bit of, in WWE. I see a little bit of, of maybe moving that direction a little bit. And yeah. I, 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 I'm hopeful for it because I love yeah. the business and I yeah. love wrestling. I, I want it to be good, but I can't watch it. I just can't, I can't because it doesn't, it doesn't bring me in. It doesn't make me care. Yeah. And, and if, if, you know, I, I know all the little tricks, but if, if I see something that, that can that can do that for me, I still want to watch. I, yeah. I just I, I just can't. Yeah. No, I most people I talk to uh, have on this podcast tell me the exactly same thing that the they're just the the lostness of the personal issues of the of the uh, real heat and real baby faces and. It is. It's sad. I mean, I hope someday it'll come back. Let me ask you this. Uh, and I've asked several people this and they I've had the same answer. You might be different. Do you think the territories can ever come back? I don't think they could come back the way they were. Uh, I mean, I think you can have you can have uh, maybe some 
regionally successful programs okay. that, that do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we were striving for with SWE yeah. when we started it. We, were, we really weren't trying to be a national company. Right. Uh, it was it was about, you know, Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and Arkansas and that area and mm-hmm. and, and just trying to trying to be a, a big fish in that bowl, you know, or, or as big a fish as we could be in that bowl. Yeah. And and not really thinking about competing with WWE or AEW or anybody, just trying to be our own person and, and our own own uh, promotion. And and we started out very well doing that. But, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I think those things can be accomplished if you have the right situation and you stick to it and have the patience to develop yeah. it that way and yeah. have your own personality. Don't try to, you can't, we used to have a saying, you can't out Vince Vince. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of, a lot of promotions tried to do that and failed. And a lot of them with a lot of money tried to do that and failed. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, that's, that's something that you have to, you have to just be your own person, your own, your own, uh, uh, format and, and stick to it and, and and that's hard to do you have to have mm-hmm. patience to do that it's like a match yeah uh, in, in order to develop a match you have to have the right timing and the right pacing and those are those are two arts that are almost lost these days and yeah there's nobody nobody wants to sell you know at least not really sell they'll, right. they'll sell for a moment and they'll back up again and and, and uh, you know i need the you look at guys like a, like a Ricky Morton and, and a Ricky Steamboat and something about Ricky, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, those guys understood that timing, that pacing, how to how to get the fans behind them before yeah. they ever did anything else. And, and, and that's why they were so successful. And, and guys, for some reason, don't snap to that these days. And then the heels don't want to really get heat. And there's no rules. Rules don't mean anything, uh, mm. you know, coming from a referee standpoint, that's one thing I miss most because the, 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 the rules in wrestling these days and the, the major company, most companies, uh, they're not consistent. They're yeah. not, the, the, the referees don't have, don't appear to have the authority to, to try to enforce them. Right. And that's a, and that's a fine line to walk as a referee is trying to find that, that point to where you look like you're trying to, but you're really not, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and and, you know, I tell guys when I work with them, I said, if you just if you just work with me, I'll give you your opportunity to get heat. Yeah. But you're not going to put it on me. Right. And and that's the that's the whole key to that timing and pacing thing that they don't understand yeah. as a for the most part these days. Right. No. And, and and such it was such a blessing to work with guys who did understand that, because together we could create a, a situation where they got their heat. I look like I'm doing my job and, and the babyface got his sympathy and we end up with the right, right formula to have a great match. Yeah. And, and it takes all of us working together to do that. Yeah. These days, referees are basically just a, a, in most cases, and I'm not saying this in every case, but most cases, they're just kind of a necessary uh, a pawn in, in the, in the <laughs> ring. And not, they're not really part of the match. Yeah. And, and I always, I get, one of the things I wrote in my book, I wrote a whole chapter about the referee position and how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I said is that a referee and professional wrestling is not like football or baseball or other, other sports in that you don't want to recognize that there's a referee in those unless it's just a situation where you have to. Yeah. In wrestling, a referee is actually part of the match or should yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, not 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 the focal point in most cases, but at least a part of it where he's enhancing what's going on mm-hmm. and making it better uh, and not not somebody who just is invisible. Right. right. I keep hearing the rest of great referees, the ones that's invisible. That's baloney in wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
it's just it's just you're part of the match or you yeah. should be yeah. and and all of those things have to be in existence for you to be a part of it and, and that's a big thing that's missing these days and i hate that yeah i'm with you 100 it used to be back in the day you know the referee you know sometimes they get ran into and be knocked out that brings somebody else in or, or they're picking the other guy up and they swing around and they the boots hit the referee and he gets knocked down and or, you know, integral part of the match where they push them because they only got a two count and they're starting to shove the ref. And uh, You're right. I mean, you don't see that anymore. It, it's, no, there's, uh, a, there's a place for anything in wrestling, but, but it's all about doing it at the right time. Yeah, and, and yeah for the right for the, for, for the right reasons. Right. Uh, you know, I've, I've taken my share of bumps. Yeah. But I took them when it, when it was right to take them, you know. And, and, and uh, you know, I always think about this story and I, I've, I've told this before working with killer tim brooks who was a uh, i mean a scary heel mm-hmm. a very aggressive heel uh a good friend of mine but he was even even in <laughs> being in the ring <laughs> <was> scary. <laughs> and and <clears throat> there was a time early on i was working with him and he had a guy choking him on the ropes and i was trying to get him to break he wouldn't break and i kept trying to get him he said pull me back by my ears and i'm like what you know i'm not doing if if i if i do this i know what you're going to do i'm not doing that he's going to do it he kept and i said okay so i reached down and grabbed him by of course i'm not really yanking it but we're working it back and i come back with him like this and and he whirls around at me and he starts to come toward me and i just pointed at my shirt yeah he backed off yeah and you know after the match was over with we're in the dressing room and i said man i didn't know if you were serious or not he said yes i was serious he said <laughs> it got me and you both over because it showed that i'm hard to handle I'm, I'm out of control and you went to extreme measure to try to control me yeah and then when when i whirled around on you you pointed your shirt you got your authority right there and yeah. so it got us all over and and, and i think I always thought, you know, that's something that, that guys just don't understand these days, mm-hmm. that how important that is to have that factor in a, in a match. And, and uh, you know, it's a shame, but that's, that's what we've come to. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. Let's talk about your book for a minute. And then you wrote a book, uh, yep. Third Man, yeah. My Life I, in, in Times In and Outside of the Ring. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, you uh, worked on it. I, I saw a co-author, Mark James. Is that is that accurate or? Yeah. Well, actually, I wrote the book myself. I okay. Worked with my publisher. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, of course, did the editing and that kind of thing. He was it's great. Mark is an incredible. Yeah. Incredible guy, great friend, and a great historian of the business. You know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I basically wrote it myself. You know? Okay. And. Uh, um, uh, it, it's mostly about my experiences with the guys, the, the Texas area, the guys I work with there. And there's some other things thrown in here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the chapter about the refereeing and then there's some other little stories here and there. But yeah, uh, the, the main point of the book was working, you know, some of the some of the bigger names that I worked with, the Von Erics, uh, Freebirds, uh, Gino Hernandez, Chris Adams. Uh, there's a story in there about John JBL and uh, uh, several guys that I worked with. And, yeah. and, and so it's not so much an autobiography thing. It, it, it was, right. I didn't intend to, intend to write that. It was mostly my experiences with those guys and, and my take on certain things that happened and a few stories in, involved too. So okay. uh, it, it, uh, it, it's been, it's been uh, 
it's been fun to have that book out there. I'm trying to finish another one. I've been oh, okay, good. three or four years. To, yeah, and it's going to be more more about the territories that I worked in, about working okay. in Japan, uh, uh, the, the story about the USWA when I went there, and okay. uh, glo- some global stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, a, a, kind of a little, little different approach in this book. Good, good. Oh, well, I'll be looking for that. And we will have your book's uh, description, you know, down in our description and where to get it and all that. So, yeah, I'm going to I am going to buy the book. I have not had the opportunity to read it yet, but I am going to. I'm looking forward to it. one more question. Well, actually, two. I'm <laughs> sorry. All right. You were awarded the Charlie Smith Referee Award back in 2016 by the College Flower Alley Club. What was that? moment like for you being honored like uh, probably you know I've, I've been really blessed uh, I've, I've i've been in, inducted into several halls of fame and and mm-hmm. some other honors you know like a lifetime achievement things and that kind of thing which is you know when you think about it as, as a guy who's primarily known as a referee and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing it, it, that doesn't happen a lot and i've, I've been lucky yeah uh, they created that that um that award and uh I, and and i was the first one to receive it oh, and, okay. and that meant that meant a lot it's kind of like the ultimate kind of like the ultimate thing because mm-hmm. it's uh um it's it's not just one territory or or one vision of it it's like a you know cauliflower alley it's involved yeah. with the whole whole industry basically yeah, right uh and uh and that that was a great honor uh yeah. and you know john John came in as my presenter. Okay. That, okay. And and uh, of course I, I returned the favor for him this year. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and that, and that was a great honor too that he asked me to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and and uh, you know it's just like uh, Medusa said. You know she 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 received that uh, Iron Mike award last year mm-hmm. that, that John John received. Yeah. And she said and she was talking to us about the about the awards and stuff and she's got she's got plenty of Hall of Fame awards herself. Right. And, and she said, you know, I think this is probably the, the, the premier award in the industry. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. so the cauliflower alley thing was a big deal. And, yeah. and, and you know, and, and I've, I've become I've become involved in the, the uh, Thez, Tregos Thez Hall of Fame in, in yeah. Iowa. Yes. And um, and those people, it's not kind of like my second family. That's what I tell them, you know, that yeah. they're, my, they're my family. Jerry Briscoe. Uh, I love that guy, even if he is from Oklahoma. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's so so friggin' smart and, yeah. and and knowledgeable about the business, and 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 such a good guy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 he's the one that kind of uh, Troy Peterson, of course, runs a, runs a lot of the day to day things, and mm-hmm. uh, Chad Olson, and all those guys. They're they're just incredible people, and and yeah. uh, that's such a fun. Uh, experience every year and 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 that that's a big deal for me too yeah yeah all right one more question okay what are you doing now you said you were working on your book but is there other projects that you're working on as well well i i've I've been helping a friend of mine who has a a training program in louisiana Uh, he worked in global as dapper dan danny davis um and he's got about 20 something students in louisiana and i've been been going down there about once a month and, and he's running shows just for the students. He might bring one guy in or two guys in just to kind of give them some um, other perspective and that kind of thing. But I've been helping him out some down there called UWE. 
Okay. Um, and uh, around the Alexandria area mostly. And okay. and uh, I've enjoyed that, working with some young guys. And there's some guys that have some potential there that he's, he's got. And, and and I go to I go to Sherman, Texas once a month. And then and, uh, my old friend Robert Langdon has a Texoma promotion up there. And, and I, I don't, you know, I just kind of like an advisor kind of thing there more than okay. anything else. Uh, when they, when they ask me to do something, I'll do it. But uh, it's something I've been doing for a number of years. Yeah. And, and uh, in fact, I'll be up there this Friday. Uh, and and you know, Tim Tim Storm and myself, we'll go, we're go. we kind of the same situation there. We, we've known Robert a long time. And we yeah. put up with him and, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and try to help as much as we can. It, it's, 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 it's a, and, and that's fun. They've got a lot of guys there that yeah. are, uh, you know, working the indie indie programs and 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 some guys he brings in as well and 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 it's I always enjoy working with younger guys. Yeah. And and then I work with with the uh, Jerry Bostic has a world class yeah. promotion. That yeah. He, and uh, and I work with Jerry and and uh, in fact I'm going to be I'll be in Sherman Friday night and in Waco Saturday night with Jerry with Jerry and oh, I wow. did the same thing there. I, I basically uh, kind of help run the back and yeah. and uh, put the matches together and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's all of that's kind of a creative side of things that I'm working with. Now I get in the ring once in a while, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's important or, or if I feel like it's something yeah. I need to do and, and, yeah. and I still enjoy that, you know, good. I still believe I'm as good as I ever was for a match or two. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to work a whole night anymore like that, but, uh, yeah. I, um, I still enjoy it when the time comes and it's right. But yeah. uh, I, I, th those are the things I'm doing mostly now. And, you know, I, I enjoy working with younger talent. I, try, I like to see like to see them develop and try to give them as much advice as I can and help as much as I can. And and, and I, I, you know, I'll do clinics and yeah. uh, um, some training situations. And, and I enjoy those, Tim, and I've done a bunch of those together. And I, I enjoy that, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, just a just kind of like giving back, I guess, more than anything yeah. else after the NWA. So, you know, I was running NWA for a while with, uh, when, when uh, Bruce Tharp owned it, I was okay. the, the director of operations there. And, and I was involved in all that transition between Bruce and, and uh, Billy Cor Corgan. And, yeah. and, um, and, and that was all interesting. That was an interest that, that probably going to go in the book too. But, all right. I'm um, looking forward to that. I, I love yeah. that story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, that, that was, I was in the middle of it a lot, you know, yeah. and it, it wasn't, uh, it was an interesting experience. It wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah. But, right. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I worked with them a little bit after the transition came mm -hmm. and, and, uh, uh, you know, Tim, of course, is still there, and I'm proud of him for for having that opportunity. Yeah, and and uh, you know that, that that we didn't talk about the NWA, but that that was a that was a great experience as well. You know, that those few years that I I was involved in that kind of trying to regain some prestige with the NWA. And, and yeah, we can talk about it if you want. Tell us a little bit about it if you don't mind. If you got a few minutes, I don't want to take too much of your time. Oh no, no, it's fine. I I just you know it was. It, I kind of fell into that when, you know, Bruce uh, and uh, had, kind of gave me the, the, that opportunity, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, it, we didn't have any money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was a problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, had no money. And we, but we did things that, that uh, I think that kind of helped reestablish a little bit of the, little bit of the value to the to the name and yeah. to, the, to the belt i mean we had a, an association with new japan 
Okay. Uh, Rob Con Rob Conway was a big part of that. Carried yep. the title a couple of times. Uh, Jack Stane, uh, and we had a, a couple of great Japanese champions during that period of time. And uh, and then at the end, of course, uh, I had the pleasure of seeing my friend Tim Storm. Yes. Uh, win that title, and and uh, and uh, that kind of led into the transition, and and. Uh, and it worked out really well for him. I, I, I just, that was an interesting period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fr- frustrating because a lack of money, a lack of funds and, and right. a lot of, you know, you got 30 different little promotions and, and all of them are wanting this and wanting that and yeah. trying to pacify all of those and, and, and keep trying to keep some kind of momentum going or gain some momentum. And yeah. it was a tough situation for a while, but, but, uh, but it's also rewarding in a way because in the end uh, we got it to a point to where it was valuable to somebody. Yeah. And, and, and they've taken it and done some things and, and yeah. continue to do things. And yeah, you know, the NWA means a lot to me that, yeah. that, 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 that's a, to me, it needs to be vital. It needs to yeah. be a part of the, part of the business. And I, I, yeah. I'm, I always wish them well, whether I'm a part of it or not. Yeah. You know, so, so that, that's, that's a big deal for me. Yeah. Now, I remember, you know, the NWA in the 80s, you know, 70s, 80s, Flair, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Magna T.I., I can go on and on. Uh, great promotion. Kind of, you know, unfortunately, hit some bad times in the uh, in the 90s. And, and uh, yeah. but but, you know, I mean, hopefully now, you know, I was starting to, I'm starting to watch it again. Uh on uh, YouTube and, and Fight TV, and, and they had a little hiccup during the, during the pandemic where they had to shut everything down, unfortunately, and, and they lost some good talent to the big yep. wigs because you know they scooped them up because they weren't getting yep. paid. And uh, hopefully, it'll get to where it needs to be. I think it will. I think uh, you know Billy Corgan uh, has a good vision from what I've seen so far, and hopefully it'll 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 work out. And uh, I'd yeah, love to see it. Uh, that's 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 my hope too. I, I'm you know I, I I'm a big guy about tradition and yeah and 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 keeping things going that means something. And the NWA means a lot. If you worked in this business back in the territory days, or mm-hmm. you know you, you were part of NWA at some point, and yeah. and and the, that history that history means a lot to me. And yeah, I, yeah. I'm hoping that they can can do something to make it even more relevant. Yeah. Today. Yeah. No, I agree. Again, I want to thank you for coming on. It was so good to meet you in person at the Cauliflower Alley Club in, in Las Vegas this last reunion. Um, you know, you were very cordial and and, and talking to me, and, and uh, you didn't know me from a hole in the ground, but you took the time uh, to talk to me there, and uh, I really appreciated that because, believe it or not, you're a well-known name uh, in the wrestling world. And when I heard you were going to be there and do the presentation for JBL, I was hoping I got to meet you, and I did. And you're a very nice person, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and talking to me today coming on this podcast. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, I really appreciate it. So, Mr. James Beard, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Uh, You know, that's what Cauliflower Alley is all about is – you know, kind of all, all of a family, you know, whether you're a fan or involved yeah. in the business some way or, mm-hmm. or retired or whatever. And, and that, you know, it, 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 it's not hard to be friendly with people. You know? It is not. And it is not. Yeah. Those yeah. guys there are all friendly. I mean, I, 
I read every person I talked to, every wrestler, person, whatever, all very nice, very, yeah. very professional, very, you know, sit there and talk to you for 10 minutes if you want to. Didn't bad an eye like I got to talk to these other people. And I really appreciate that. So I will be back there. Trust me. I will well, be back most, there. Most of us come from the same place. We were all fans before we were in, involved. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, that's something you have to remember when you're in this business, no matter how well you do you know and and uh, and i tell guys and I, I, this is one of the things when i did john's presentation i really wanted to say is that uh, you know no matter how successful you are no matter how many matches you win how many titles you win no matter yeah. how much money you make when you get through this you know when you walk out of that ring the last time the most important things to you will probably be the experiences you had and the relationships you made. And that, that goes for everybody involved, yeah. not just the guy, you know? So yeah. that's, it's important to, to remember that when, when you're meeting with other people. Yeah. All right. One more time, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Beard, thank you for coming on today, sir. Really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. All right, folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. And please subscribe and we will talk to you soon. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. Yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOC Nation. 
Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <clears throat> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Aptor, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do with Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. The rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.